Let's try that again. Hi friends, happy Valentine's Day! And for all of you who are single and unattached, happy National Single Awareness Day! Now I know I didn't release an episode last week and I am so very sorry about that. A few friends of mine are getting married this weekend and last week we had the rehearsal and things just got a little hectic and busy. Also, a new venture in business is about to begin and that took up a lot of my time, I'm so very sorry. But in this venture, I do want to introduce something today. We have a very big brand new sponsor. Listen guys, I know it's the intro, but I thought I could go ahead and get this out of the way and share with you the amazing news. For those of you who want to go ahead and fast forward, feel free. But remember, the reason you can come here and enjoy my content is because of these sponsors. And the more you guys go check them out and support them, the more you support my content and the ability for me to continue to create for you. So take a minute and let me tell you about Trails Clothing. So last year in November, I went to Rockville, and that is when I discovered Trails Clothing. So as I'm walking through Rockville, checking out all the vendors, I see this shirt of Darth Vader, his hands out, and it says, stay metal. I had to have it. I'm not kidding. I ran from my friends and said, be right back. I got to go get that. And I did just that. But that was when I met Melanie. Melanie owns and runs Trails Clothing. Immediately, her and I hit it off. I love their style and the way that their approach is with their clothing. I made sure to let her know just how much I adored everything that I saw in there and that if I could, I would have probably emptied my bank account buying it all. I really wish that was a joke, but sadly it's not. I can't express how much I love their clothing. Once you head over to trailsclothing.com, you can see the amazing clothes that they have to offer. They have something for everybody. All you men out there, go check it out. They've got stuff for you. All you ladies, you too. All you kids, wait a second, where's your mom or dad? Why are you listening to this podcast if you're a kid? Well, anyways, if you are, hi, you should probably be making better decisions and not listening to this. But since you're here, you should also go ahead and head over there because they have a section for kids. They also have swimwear, hats, hoodies, beer holders, so much. And thanks to Melanie and everyone at Trails Clothing, you can now use the code HARMONY and get 15% off your purchase. But seriously guys, don't take my word for it. Go over to trailsclothing.com and check out what they have. If you like Beetlejuice, by the way, they have the Beetlejuice pants. If you know what I'm talking about, you know what I'm talking about. Trails clothing is sort of like this rock and roll meets Southern style. Honestly, I love it. So go check it out and use my code HARMONY for 15% off your purchase. And remember guys, every time you support one of my sponsors, you support the content that I create for you. And without my sponsors, I wouldn't be here. Only because it's so expensive to exist and I can't make money, guys. As much as I'd love to sit here and make all of my content for you completely for free, my bills won't allow me to do that. Mm -mm. No, apparently there's this thing where if you don't pay bills, you get evicted and you lose everything. I don't want to do that. So if you could, please go check out trailsclothing.com. And if you decide that you like anything, use the code HARMONY for 15% off your purchase. And to Melanie and everyone at Trails Clothing, I love you guys. 
thank you so much for giving such an amazing offer to all of my listeners. Okay, so now that we got all the business out of the way, let's talk love. Today is February 14th. At least it is on the day that I'm recording it. Fingers crossed we get it released in time. Anyways, it is a day of love and a day that you celebrate that love with the person you care about the most. Or people, I don't know what you're into. Anyways, as I was saying, this is a day of love. A day that you show those around you just how much you really care. Now, if you ask me, I don't believe a holiday should do that. I think you should show those you care about and love every day. However, we do live in a society where you have to be reminded to think about something other than yourself. Seriously, we do. So what exactly is Valentine's Day? I mean, besides your national Hallmark holiday. Valentine's Day is a holiday where lovers express their affections with greetings and gifts. Like I said, a Hallmark holiday. But why is it celebrated? Valentine's Day is celebrated in honor of the 3rd century Roman saint, Saint Valentine. Apparently, over time, traditions began and today became the day that you would show and celebrate your affection for those around you. All because of Saint Valentine. So you may be wondering, Harmony, why are you introducing Valentine's Day? Why are you reminding me that I am alone? Well, I, I wasn't trying to, and I'm sorry for that. I love you. But that is because today we are going to talk about a pretty intense crime. A crime full of love, passion, and, uh, well, obviously murder. You may be enjoying some chocolates right now. Some flowers. Maybe admiring a new piece of jewelry. Enjoying a new beard trimmer. With a smile on your face because the person you love celebrated that love with you. But what if, instead of gifts and cards and kisses, you were murdered by the one who loved you, and none other than on the day of love? Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Harmony, and this is the murder of Tara Lynn Grant. Welcome to What the Actual F. When this tragedy first played out back in 2007, Tara Grant's children were just four and six years old. Their lives turned upside down in an instant. Their mother murdered by their own father. A custody battle got underway. It was Tara's sister Alicia and her husband Eric who not only gained custody, but the responsibility of working to help these fragile children deal with such a devastating loss. I just want to say thank you that everyone comes out here every year. Today, Tara's children, Ian and Lindsay, are back in Macomb County. Being able to go and spread the word and make sure that somebody else doesn't have to ever go through stuff that like me or my sister or my mom or anybody else in my family's had to go through. They return every year for the Tara Grant Run Walk, a chance to remember their mother and to help raise awareness about domestic abuse. Okay, so just before we begin, I need to go ahead and let you guys know that my voice is a little bit hoarse. So, yeah, you're probably going to hear a little bit of this roughness going on, and for that, I'm really sorry. I don't have COVID, but I've had this little bit of an infection in my lungs for a while, and it's not been fun. Now you can just hear the repercussions of it on my voice. Alright, enough about me, let's talk about Tara. Tara Lynn Grant was born and raised in Michigan. And after college, she found herself in suburban Detroit. She married her husband, Stephen Grant, despite the two being complete opposites. But isn't that how it goes? Opposites usually attract. Tara was beautiful, ambitious, popular, and smart. She was also a perfectionist. 
Now, in Steven's case, many people described him as being, uh, average. The kind of guy that when you saw Tara next to, you were like, what? How? I'm sorry. What? And maybe I'm saying that because I think Steven's a piece of shit, but you can stick around and find out and then Google the images and tell me, did Steven deserve her? Because I think not. Again, I'm not saying that just because of his looks. Steven is a true piece of trash. And to me, that makes him hideous. But hey, maybe he tickles your pickle. So Stephen was averagely attractive, and then you got to know him and he looks like a gremlin. However, it wasn't just that that kind of made him different than Tara. He never really got around to doing his college studies. It wasn't really important to him. Basically, he lacked ambition, which Tara had a lot of. Stephen decided instead of finishing college and actually doing something, he would just work at his father's shop. While Tara's out here achieving and trying to make her goals a reality, Tara began a highly successful career at the Washington Group International. The two were madly in love. The two would go on to have two kids, a girl and a boy. However, in most cases, the mother becomes a stay-at-home parent. Not in this one. Stephen became a stay-at-home dad. I actually want to give him a round of applause for this. I like the fact that it goes against what we decide is the norm as a mother staying home. Because apparently, the father has to work for a living and the mother has to cook and clean and take care of the kids. Because that's what society tells us. But going against that is what I think is fantastic. Do what you think is best, not what society tells you. Except for murder! Please. Please don't murder. I, I think you should go with society on that one. <clears throat> yes. So, although I want to give Steven a round of applause, I don't think that we, we should. Not yet. Hold the applause. Hold the applause. Hooray. Instead. Hooray, Steven. You became a stay-at-home dad. Yay! But you didn't like it. Let's continue. So Tara was the breadwinner of the family. She had a lucrative and very promising career. She was bringing in the bacon. If, if you catch my drift. Now, Tara's job was extremely important to her. However, so were her children. I say it like that because many people that are in a very prosperous career start to get a little bit corrupt because of the money. And that means their kids tend to suffer. I, I can say that because I am a child of that, well, aspect. My mother to this day is a workaholic, which I completely commend, I am as well. However, my child will not suffer because of my career. They both deserve my love, attention, and affection. Their mental health and their well-being is more important than what I create. No offense to all of you, I love you very much. You are my followers, my supporters, and many, some massive fans. But my family is my priority. And that is exactly how Tara was. Now, this didn't mean that Tara didn't leave and travel and do things to focus on her work. No, she absolutely did. She just made sure that she could spend time with her kids and her family and still juggle work without choosing work over them. She would still be frequently gone on business trips, oftentimes for the entire week, but she was always home on the weekends. That was something that she held herself to. I need the weekends with my family and Monday through Friday are for work. And that is exactly what I do really connected with Tara on so many levels. Steven, oh, not so much. So she would be home on the weekends to make sure that she had time with her family. 
Before she left on these business trips, she would even leave notes for her children to remind them just how much they were loved. You know, little, I may not be there, but I'm thinking of you. I may not be able to hug you right now, but here's a little kiss and like a little piece of candy. Just really sweet things so that even though she wasn't there, they didn't forget she loved them. Now, because it was a lot for Steven, apparently, to be a stay-at-home dad and with Tara working, they decided to hire an au pair. And no, this is not a run-by fruiting. I didn't say a pair, I said au pair. An au pair is a young foreign person, typically a lady, who helps with housework and childcare in exchange for room and board. So basically, somebody from another country comes over and is like, hey, I'll help you cook and clean and watch your little crotch goblins if you let me stay here for free. Is that cool? We're cool? All right, sweet. And that's just basically the gist of it. And yes, I said crotch goblins. If that pisses you off, I'm sorry. But I mean, like, <laughs> it's kind of funny. Tara and Steven decided to go with a female au pair. They went through an agency that hires young women to work as live-in nannies in American homes. This brings us to 2007, when a young German woman by the name of Verena moved in with the Grant family. Now at this point, Steven was kind of resentful and frustrated with Tara. She has this big, booming, lustrous career. Meanwhile, he needs help with the kids, and he doesn't really have a lot going for him. He's just kind of like, hi, I'm here and I don't wanna be here. Now, instead of taking his, I guess, I don't wanna say like frustration against Tara because it was definitely jealousy. So maybe instead of taking his jealousy toward his wife that's being successful because she worked really hard and didn't give up like he did. He was mad because, well, nobody handed him anything. Nobody was like, oh, you didn't wanna work for it? Oh, that's fine, here you go anyways. And she got that. She worked for it and was handed it. So now that she's traveling and doing well, instead of not getting jealous, he does, but he could have taken that jealousy and turned it into celebration. Yeah, he may not be the one that's doing all of it, but he could enjoy it with her. He could delight in her success with her. No, 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 no. Steven was emasculated. Instead of showing support, he was a little bit angry. Okay, uh, uh, we're making jokes now, right? Okay, yeah, but um, it is kind of a serious matter, isn't it? Because like somebody's, somebody ends up dead. So okay, so Stephen, he's he's frustrated. He's a little bit upset, which ended up making Stephen go to Tara and say, "Hey, you know, I don't like this. You're traveling too much, and you know, it's just it's too tough. I can't do it." And they would begin to argue a lot. They would start to argue about the fact that Tara was gone too much. That he didn't like that she was only home on the weekends sometimes. Yeah, she would be home for weeks and weeks as well. But the moment she had to leave, Stephen was like, I don't like it. Mm -mm. You're not leaving. And Tara would be like, well, I mean, I gotta pay bills. So I kinda got to go. And then he would cry and throw a fit and I don't know, kick and scream and say, no, don't leave me. You know, just feel emasculated crying like a baby for his mommy. Seriously, he would throw fits. Steven even said one time, and I quote, I was a better mom than Tara was. There's no other way to put it. I was the mom of the house. She was gone all the time. If the kids needed someone to take them swimming or to go to school or to soccer practice, I took them. Yeah, dude, Steven, it's called being a fucking parent. So, sorry, sorry. 
but it is. If you're gonna get down and dirty, you know, brown chicken, brown cow, and you don't put on a glove when you're making the love, you're gonna have a little crotch goblin. Well, I mean, there's a significant chance you can you can have a little a little baby. And with babies and kids as they grow comes responsibility. And to that, I say, hey, as somebody who has kids, who has procreated with people that I freaking despise, let me remind you, before you decide, I don't need to wear a condom, or before you tell the guy, no, 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 it's fine, it's fine, don't put it on. Honestly, think to yourself, could I spend the rest of my life with this person in it? And I don't mean as a romantic relationship. I mean somebody that you probably just don't like and have to tolerate, but you can't ever rid yourself of. I mean, unless you decide to murder them like like somebody does in this story. But yeah, so like, just remember that. Also, just like wear a condom because kids are expensive and also there's a lot of fucking people in this world. Y'all stop it. We're turning into rabbits. Sorry, <clears throat> I don't like people. Let's continue. So as stated, Stephen felt really emasculated by his wife's success and the fact that he was a, you know, domesticated partner. He had to stay at home, he had to take care of the kids, he wasn't pulling in any money. This went against all of society, and he felt the pressure. This brings us to Friday, February 9th, 2007. Tara had just returned home from a trip from Puerto Rico. She had been there all throughout the week and came home for the weekend as she always did. Upon returning to her home in Detroit, she and Stephen began a massive fight. Tara was supposed to return to Puerto Rico on Sunday. Usually she would wait until Monday to head out, but this was due to an early morning business meeting that would be happening on Monday. So she was unable to arrive on that very day because of flights and, you know, it just wasn't possible. But Stephen didn't like this. Stephen, in fact, was enraged. He felt as though Tara failed to spend enough time with her family. Even though she did fly home to have her 48 hours with them. According to Stephen, they actually had a terrible fight. And this is when Tara left the house that same night. So apparently she comes home and she's like, hey, listen, I have to leave early on Sunday. I just, I'm sorry, but I, I do because of this business meeting and I'm gonna, maybe I'll come home early Friday. Nope, mm-mm. Steven was like, I don't fucking think so. You're gonna stay because we're your family. And you know, he just kind of got, I actually don't know what was said at all. All I know is he got really angry and Tara decided, I can't do this. I'm not gonna stay and have us fighting all weekend for the kids to witness it and experience that and suffer. So she decided, I'm gonna leave because I'm obviously causing this issue, so I'll remove myself from the equation because, well, I'm not gonna not go to work because someone's gotta pay for this life. And that's kind of like the gist of it. She was like, all right, deuces, I'm out, according to Steven. But this is where it gets a little murky. Steven told police that his wife was on the phone with someone when she left and that she didn't live in like a cab or even her car. No, a dark vehicle that he's never seen before picked her up. Convenient? I think so. He was the guy that you thought would grow up and rob a liquor store and leave his name tag on and you'd see him on the stupidest criminals. Steve wasn't the most popular kid in the world. He wasn't the best looking. And so I guess when I saw his wife, I was like, wow, good job, Steve. I never thought 
you would get get someone like Tara. By Valentine's Day, that would be February 14th for those of you who don't remember, even though it's today, Tara failed to return to work. Which is weird because that's what she was leaving for. So like, ah, people started to get alarmed. She also didn't return home. So like, ah, ah, double alarm. Her husband then decided I should probably report her missing because, well, she's not at work and she's not here. I wonder where she is. So he called the police and was like, hey, uh, my wife, we had a fight. I know, sounds bad, but I didn't do anything. She left in a dark colored car. That's all I know. Stephen also told the authorities that he tried to call his wife several times. He texted her and left her several messages and he just didn't hear anything. It was like she vanished. Dun, dun, dun. Her family was also unaware of her whereabouts. And the biggest thing is she just didn't show up to work. That is unlike her at all. Even if her and Steven got into a fight, even if she was mad at a family member, anything, she would not miss her work on Monday. She would either be arriving to the location or have arrived on Sunday as was planned. And she didn't show. For those of you keeping up, that's not good. So at this point, everybody is understandably extremely concerned. And nobody's seen her since the 9th. So like, even more concerning. So the missing persons case was handled by the Macomb County Sheriff's Office. And for the first two weeks, Stephen would take over social media. Stephen Grant took to the media several times. He did a mass amount of press conferences. You know, trying to appeal. I mean, uh, look for his wife. Sorry, I get those two confused. But because Steven did all of his appearances, he was able to bring a lot of attention to Tara's case. Which, no matter how much I think he's a piece of shit, that is fantastic. Because there is a real victim here. Now, what the media saw and what everybody saw of Steven looked like a very sad and concerned husband. He was so worried about his wife. Sorry, again, my throat, my voice went out a little bit there at the end. Sorry about that, guys. But he was worried. He was like, oh my god, where is my wife? I haven't seen her in so long. I just am so scared. And everybody was all eating it up, just all watching this and thinking, oh my god, that poor man. Where is his wife and the two kids? They must be so sad. They're not getting any more notes from her. I mean, seriously, that would pull up my heartstrings. But to the authorities... Steven didn't really look like a, like a guy that you should feel bad for. No. The first impression of Steven Grant from one of the authorities goes kind of like this. Quote, When we first got to the house, Steven seemed very nervous. He was very fidgety. He was trying to be over-cooperative, and the more questions we started to ask him, the more significantly nervous he became. That was a quote from Detective Pam McLean. But there was another person that detectives also were kind of suspicious of. And that was Verena, the au pair. I eat pears now and shit like that. Shout out to all the pear. Apparently, detectives were able to determine that Stephen and Verena had kind of been having a relationship. Yeah, that's right. They were doing the deed. Brown chicka brown cow. <clears throat> Sorry, this is a serious podcast. We don't make jokes here. So let's continue. So here's the thing. Steven and Verena had actually been in this like sexual relationship 
for about six weeks prior to Tara's disappearance. So, this kind of seems like motive. But I could be wrong, I could be wrong. How about we continue and decide for ourselves? Now, there's an issue with the possibility that Verona was involved. Because she was out with friends on the night that Tara came home. So like, obviously, she didn't do anything. She wasn't home. Oh, but Steven, however, uh, he was home. And upon further inspection into his emails, he was sending an ex of his some pretty spicy content. He was saying some pretty weird things, actually. Yeah, it's, it's kind of creepy. They were, uh, they were very suggestive, if you, if you catch my drift. And, and Steven's drift, because he was throwing it out there. Now, okay, listen, I hear you. Just because he's resentful of his very successful wife, and the fact that he needed help taking care of the kids and that he was just kind of like in a funk. And also the fact that he was cheating on his wife. Okay, I, I know just because of that doesn't mean that he did anything wrong. A cheater and a, 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 a jealouser does not a murderer make or, or something like that. But in Steven's case, Initially, the police found no evidence in the Grant home that suggested any struggle or foul play. However, they also found no sign of Tara. Eventually, like usual when the husbands are a little bit guilty, Stephen stopped cooperating with authorities. He continued his daily press conferences, however, with the media. Yeah, he was like, <laughs> fuck the police, but hello people. The police began checking hospitals, morgues, airports, any and everywhere for Tara. Any sign maybe that she was there? I mean, people do not just vanish. Okay, okay, yes, they do. That's, that's why we're here a lot, because people vanish and they're like gone. But in the real sense, they don't just disappear off the face of the earth to never to be seen again. Something is found, but they weren't finding anything. It was as though she did just go poof. And although Steven was kind of a grimy POS, he didn't really come off as a murderer. Or did he? <laughs> I don't know what the hell that laugh was. I'm sorry, guys. Let's continue. So in the public's eye, Steven didn't really look that suspicious, but the police, they, they were suspicious of him. Although they couldn't find anything really linking him to doing anything to Tara, they had their, they had their ideas and they began to get more suspicious of Stephen. So they finally decided to search this wooded area behind the Grant home. However, there was nothing there. It was really looking like Stephen didn't do anything except for be a shit husband and a bad person. You can't put someone in jail for that. If we could, a lot of people would be locked up right now. Just take a look at my two exes. I mean, what? So the cops are sitting here empty-handed, but kind of like, Stephen's really fucking suspicious. And we can't just go arrest him because he didn't do anything. But can't we do something? No, they couldn't. So February turns into March and still no sign of Tara. But there is a major break in the case. Someone found a bag in a park. A park right by the Grant home. Ooh, things just got a little spicy. This was actually the same exact wooded area I just told you guys about that the police searched a few weeks before and found nothing. But then voila, there's a bag. And uh, it's a little suspicious. Is it a bomb? Is it remains? It's remains, it's spoiler, it is remains. I'm sorry, I spoiled that. 
The bag actually contained blood and metal shavings with like bits of human pieces or sorry, what looked like human parts. Like just a little bit of human pieces, but a lot of blood. So Stephen Grant worked at a machine shop, by the way, that was owned by his father. Yeah, so when they saw these like metal shavings in this blood and human pieces, they were like, hmm, that's weird. That's suspicious. We should look into Stephen. And guess what? They now had their in. That little nagging feeling was now becoming justified. This was enough evidence to secure a search warrant into the Grant home. And also his father's machine shop that he would work at from time to time. On March 2nd, the police searched the Grant family home. Now Stephen was present during this search, but he asked if he could take the dog for a walk because you know, he's gotta go. He wasn't under arrest and they were like, okay. So he was permitted to leave with the dog. Meanwhile, while he's out walking Toto, police find a tote in the family garage. For those of you who don't know what a tote is, that would be like a big purse. Now, the thing is, they had already searched initially in the house and this tote wasn't there. So police were like, hmm, we should look into that. Upon opening the tote, they found a plastic bag. Bagception, a bag within a bag. They tore open the plastic bag and then blush began seeping out from inside. I think we all just collectively threw up a little bit in our mouths. Inside the bag was the fully clothed torso of a woman. Surprise, they found Tara. Well, to be fair, they found a part of Tara, but like, it was her. At the machine shop, investigators found a plethora of forensic evidence, including Tara's hair, some more of her blood, and even pieces of Tara's flesh. I hope no one's eating right now. I'm really sorry. What they couldn't find, however, was Stephen. Oh shit, we done goofed. Yeah, yeah, we goofed. We let him go for a walk. Well, like, we didn't think he did anything. We didn't know we were gonna find a torso. Yeah, but he's gone and, and so is the dog. I think that what angers me the most is the dog. The dog was missing now. God, protect the animals. So although Steven looked calm and collected when he was like, yeah, I guess you gotta come in. You're legally allowed to now. And he was just like, you know, I'm gonna go take the dog out while you guys do this. I don't wanna be in your hair, I'm gonna go. He decided that was the perfect moment to peace out, I'm gone. And did that, he like straight up was gone. But two days later, police were able to track Steven through his cell phone. Okay, uh, side note to anyone that's trying to evade anybody, ditch your phone, duh. That's like criminal 101. But again, Steven's not very bright, guys. So they tracked him using his phone and they tracked him to Wilderness State Park, a very remote area. However, they didn't find him in good condition. It was cold and Steven wasn't dressed for the occasion because he left. He didn't know the police were to come by and you know, be like, hey, we're gonna look in your house and you can't say no, you gotta step out right now. So he wasn't exactly dressed for the cold and when they found him, he was hypothermic and barely even alive. Stephen was airlifted to Michigan Hospital immediately for treatment. Oh, but also, it wasn't just the hypothermia that was getting to him and his little, little amounts of clothing for the cold weather. 
No. Once he arrived at the hospital, it was discovered that he had a very large amount of prescription meds and alcohol in his system. It looked as though Stephen was trying to unalive himself. Dun dun dun! <clears throat> that seems a little suspicious. Stephen Grant loved um, taking care of his children. He was extremely present in their day-to-day -day lives. They seemed to be making it work, but were they really? Their public face of, the, of this couple seemed a lot more normal than what might have been simmering um, inside those doors. What was simmering was heading toward a rapid boil. And it was Stephen's growing resentment that was fanning the flames. I think that um, on some level, her ascension and his flatline being, you know, left there with the kids, I think in the back of his mind, he cer certainly felt maybe a little bit emasculated by that. When authorities were finally able to speak with Stephen, he stated that he planned to commit suicide in the wilderness. He eventually would go on to recover and give a very chilling confession. Stephen's confession began with the details on February 9th in 2007. On this disturbing evening, Tara returned home from Puerto Rico but informed him that she had to leave again on Sunday. Instead of leaving like she usually would on Monday, she was going to leave just a few hours sooner in the late evening of Sunday. Stephen admits he was upset and the two began to argue. You see, he wasn't just mad because she was going back out for work a little early. He says that he believed she was having an affair with another co-worker. And this is what really set him off. So the two began to argue. Then they began arguing more and more about Tara possibly having this affair, even though Steven was absolutely having one. I say, the guilty usually gets mad at you for what they're doing. People are weird. Well, Tara ends up slapping him because she is so, I guess, disturbed by the things he's saying. I'm not saying that it's okay, but she does end up slapping him, and this was not a good move because immediately things escalated. He says that he hit her right back. This is when he says she fell. Quote, I know she banged her head on the floor and then she said something like, that's it, I'm gonna take the kids. You're going to be fucking homeless, you're a piece of shit. That's what Steven says that she said and that's what he says happened. He also says that at one point when he snapped, he started to strangle his wife for about uh, four minutes. Quote, I choked her. I put my hands on her neck and I choked her. She finally grabbed my hand at one point, but it was too late then. I couldn't stop. I knew I was going to prison, so I panicked. Oh, Jesus Christ. He's, he's a bad guy. Did you, did you see it coming? I mean, I feel like I told you this whole episode that Stephen's a piece of shit. And now you heard it. He's a fucking piece of shit. He then, if you didn't think that wasn't enough, no, I'm not done yet. Steven is truly a remarkably bad guy. He then wrapped his belt around Tara's neck, using it to pull her down the stairs as his children were asleep in their bedrooms. Do you guys still like Steven or do you see why I've been like a bitch about him? Talk about overkill. This is some fucked up shit. 
He brings her all the way down the stairs, by her throat, with his belt, and puts her in the back of his SUV. And then boom, lo and behold, wouldn't you know, Verona's home. She just, surprise, showed up. He told her this like sob story apparently, uh, where his wife was gonna leave him because they had an argument. You know, just a real, woe is me. You know that you and I are like having sex, which is great, mm, fantastic, but like, she's gonna leave me. I can't believe she wants to leave me, can you? <laughs> My god. Now, she doesn't know, apparently according to him, that she's dead. The au pair thinks that she left, just like Stephen was telling everybody. This is according to Stephen's confession. This is where he began to hide and cover up her murder and that he had nothing to do with it. He begins his cover up by calling Tara's phone several times and leaving messages. Oh, but also, like, him and Verena, they're still doing it, by the way. Yeah, just because he killed his wife doesn't mean they're not gonna brown chicken brown cow. So, like, they're sleeping together in the bed that he was supposed to be sharing with Tara that night. But no, he killed her and then went and sadoodled Verena. Again, like, he's just a real class act man. Sorry, no, he, that's too nice for him. He's not a man. The next day, he slips out of the house and takes Tara's body to his father's machine shop. Cause remember, it was in the back of his SUV. Yeah, so like his wife's body is sitting in his SUV as he's diddling the au pair in him and his wife's bed while his kids are asleep in the other room. I'm really hoping that nobody listening to this right now thinks anything good about Steven. Because I damn sure don't. He then puts her body piece by piece into a plastic tub and borrows his children's sled so that he can drag it to this wooded area behind his house. However, something unexpected happens. Mm. According to Stephen's confession, quote, the sled took off and now I'm chasing after the sled and that's my wife's cut up body in it. It's going down a hill. I finally got to it and it stopped and it fell over and it broke. So now, all these pieces have fallen all over the place. Oh dear lord, I think you spilled your wife. Yeah, so he used the sled and apparently, again, he's not very bright, didn't find any way to secure it while they're on a hill. Again, criminal 101, look at your environment. It just decides to do what sleds do and go down said hill, which this grown ass man starts chasing and uh, it, it falls when he tries to get it and just that's his wife's body all over the place. And yeah, I'm sorry about the sound effect, but I mean, kind of just fits. Steven did gather up the body parts of his wife and buried them in various locations in this wooded area. He told detectives that he hoped wildlife would come along and find the body parts and just eat them before anyone could discover them. Again, he's not very bright because I don't know a lot of animals or predators that fully eat everything including bones, but you never know. And in Steven's mind, he didn't understand, so like, he didn't know. Now he did also go back and move her body parts several times to different locations because the animals hadn't gotten to it and he didn't want to get caught. Remember, he didn't want to go to prison. When he learned that police were planning to search that area, he took the torso back into his garage because he was afraid that police would find it. Quote, I did a very, very bad job of hiding anything. It's right there in the open. 
That was his own words, so like, I think he knows that he's not very bright. At least he's self-aware of that. However, he said that he didn't expect them at any point to secure a search warrant for his house. Again, Criminal 101, the person closest to the victim is always the most suspicious. So once police executed the search warrant, Stephen knew that they would find the torso. This is when he took the opportunity to flee. He drove around Michigan drinking and popping pills before he decided to go to that remote area in Wilderness State Park. He said he planned to die out there in the wilderness, which is why he failed to wear any protective clothing because he wanted to die. Fortunately, however, he was rescued in time and was held accountable for Tara's murder. Hi, this is the back on the third grand. Thank you very much for the message, and I will be back with you in the next On Friday, December 21st, Stephen Grant was found guilty of murder in the second degree. The prosecution sought first-degree murder charges, but after three weeks of testimony, the jury could not come to a unanimous decision concerning the premeditation of the crime. They believed it was possible that he maybe did just become enraged. He may not have planned to actually kill her. Again, just because he was cheating and reaching out to exes and just being real fucking shitty doesn't mean he planned to take Tara's life that night. The judge in the case called Stephen Grant's actions demonic, barbaric, and dishonest. Stephen was sentenced to 50 to 80 years in prison for second-degree murder, with an additional 6 to 10 years for mutilation of the corpse of his wife. These sentences are to run congruently. The two grandchildren, just six and four years old when their mother was murdered, were raised by Tara's sister. In June of 2008, Stephen Grant's father committed suicide. That is heartbreaking. Neighbors speculate that he was unable to overcome the shame and destruction of the murder caused by his son. It rippled into Stephen's family heavily. As you guys know, it's a lot of trial by media. And we, as a society, are just ingesting what we are fed and we tend to lash out on those who surround a bad person, even if they themselves are not bad people. We are just vigilantes for some reason and turn into little asshats to those that are around and maybe related to someone who does something, even if they had no involvement. And I can see how that can become too much for somebody and they see no way out. And that's exactly what Steven's father did. He found his own way out in a heartbreaking way. The family and friends of Tara now have organized and participated every year in Tara's run. This is a 5K run that raises money to combat domestic violence. As a person who's been through her share of domestic violence, that is remarkable. And if any of you are out there dealing with any sort of domestic violence in your home, please get out. I know as somebody who was in the middle of it, that seems impossible. But I promise, if you get out now, you have a lot more of a chance of surviving. If you stay in and just trying to get by and survive as best as you can, you might not be here much longer. And I'm not trying to be dramatic, 
I'm being real. Violence and abuse are not normal. You should never accept it. Stephen Grant was a very jealous man who could not tolerate his wife's success. That's apparent. His own insecurities let him take advantage of a 19-year-old au pair. That's right, I forgot to tell you, she's fucking 19. Gross! But she was young, she was foreign, she was beautiful, and he wanted to diddle her doodle. So he had an affair. And he was boiling under the surface was his insecurities and jealousy of his wife. And this all accumulated one night when she says, I've got to leave for work early because this is going well. And it's very important so I can continue doing all of this with you and our family. And I'm sure what he heard was, I am just more successful than you and I have to go make more money while you sit here with the kids. Again, he was a jealous, insecure man. But that is no reason to kill somebody. No. This jealousy and insecurity led him to murder. You can truly see how enraged and unhappy he was when it came to Tara. All that resentment and anger he took out on her actual body. Now, there is no way to prove if Tara hit him. And I am not excusing that action. But the way he responded was not okay. He hit her and she fell. He should have immediately at least checked on her and separated from the situation. Instead, he continued because he knew he would get in trouble for his actions. So instead of taking that uh, responsibility, that consequence of his action, he took his wife's life. And then he proceeded to even do worse. Not only did he strangle her, he choked her out with his belt and ultimately killed her. He then dragged her dead body by the belt down the stairs while his kids were asleep in their rooms. He tossed her in the back of his SUV, discarding her like something you would take to Goodwill the next day or dump at an actual dump site. You're just waiting because it's the middle of the night. He then took his mistress upstairs to his marital bed and fucked her with his dead wife in his car. And he wasn't done yet, no, because the next day he went to his father's shop and dismembered her body and then just decide to toss her anywhere and everywhere he could. No amount of jealousy or insecurity should turn to that. Jealousy and insecurity stem from within yourself, not anyone else. The things you see in somebody that you may be jealous of or make you insecure, maybe are the things that you need to work on in yourself. If you want something somebody has, work for it. If you want to look away that somebody does, strive for that. Do not get upset at somebody else because you do not want to put in the work, but you want the goal because it sounds like a you problem. Steven was 37 years old at the time of Tara's murder. Again, doodling a 19 year old. Gross. He will not be eligible for parole until he is at least 87 years old. So if Steven does get out, there's not a whole lot of his life left for him to enjoy. That does not compare, however, to Tara's, whom she will never get to enjoy any ounce of hers again, and for his two kids that now have neither parent. He lays out a bunch of tarps on the floor, and he removes her body and places her on top of it, and he begins to dismember her. I cut Tara's hands off, and I cut to the next joint, and the next joint, and the same with her legs. And at some point I threw up. 
Rachel began. A shockingly barbaric act. And then I just told myself, look, if you don't do this, you're going to prison for the rest of your life. And I kept cutting her off. Now usually this is the part where I say my goodbyes, the outro if you will. However, if you've made it this far, I have a bonus little tidbit story for you. This is just bite-sized, so it won't take long. The other day my boyfriend and I were talking about Valentine's Day and if I should release an episode and what I would be able to release it on. I wanted to do some sort of crime for Valentine's Day and release it today if I could. And he said, wait, wasn't there a massacre that happened on Valentine's Day? Now I looked into it and didn't have the ability to get everything together that I would like to. So I thought I would throw it in at the tail end of this episode for you. So real fast, I wanna give a shout out to my boyfriend Dax for telling me about this crime. The St. Valentine's Day Massacre was the murder of seven members and associates of Chicago's Northside Gang. This occurred on February 14th in 1929. The men were gathered at Lincoln Park Chicago Garage. They were then lined up against a wall and shot by four unknown assailants, two of which were dressed as police officers, and others were said to look kind of more like a gangster, but like mob gangster. And why did they look like mob gangsters? Well, the incident was a result from a struggle to control organized crime in the city during Prohibition. This was going on between the Irish Northsiders headed by George Bugs Moran, and their Italian Chicago outfit rivals led by Mr. Al Capone himself. The perpetrators have never actually conclusively been identified. However, many members of Egan's Rats gang working for Capone are suspected to have played a role, or at least know exactly who organized and is responsible for the murders. There are also many suspicions into the members of the Chicago Police Department who allegedly wanted revenge for the killing of a police officer's son. So who was responsible for the St. Valentine's Day Massacre and the brutal murder of seven men? Okay, enough of the murder talk. That's enough, I know, I know. It's a day of love. We, we, need, to, we, we need to jump to a new topic. It's always fun to remember special times and the happiest memories of all are the ones we share with the friends we love. I love you, you love me, we're a happy family, with a great big hug and a kiss from me to you, won't you say you love me too? And our next topic is the topic of goodbye. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode on what happened this day several, several years ago. Hopefully, you agree with me that Stephen Grant is a piece of shit. And if not, maybe you should reevaluate yourself. Because the acts that Stephen committed are heinous and absolutely undeserved. Anyways, I hope you guys have a wonderful, amazing Valentine's Day if you listen to this on February 14th. And if you listen to it on February 15th, here's a little reminder. It's 50% off chocolate everywhere. So go get you some. Treat yourself. Because that's exactly what I'll be doing. Alright guys, I hope you have an amazing rest of your week. And hold your loved ones close, give them kisses, and celebrate in the joy that is your love. Because who knows? Maybe they're planning to kill you. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Kind of. So... 
On that note, stay safe. I love you. And I'll talk to you on the next episode of What the Actual Left. Goodbye.